This week's major spoilers podcast goes out to Mark Wiggins, who killed every last one of the Formics, but didn't even know it because he thought he was in a simulation. Thanks a lot, Mike. We appreciate it. You know, the whole no world domination thing. And this one's for you. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this Issue. There must be some kind of way out of here, said Rodrigo to the Steve. And I said, what about All-Star Superman? They said, I think I remember the book. And as I recall, I said, Steve thought he's a wussy. And I said, well, that's just Steven's crap. Common side effects of major spoilers include dry mouth, constipation, bladder problems, blurred vision, dizziness, drowsiness, increased heart rate, fever, confusion, muscle rigidity, cardiac, liver, or kidney problems, secondary mutation, yellowing of the skin or whites of the eyes, amniocentesis, unusually dark urine, PBS pledge breaks, loss of appetite, nausea, vigo Carpathia, apathia, projectile vomiting, photosynthesis, headache, tinnitus, fatigue, cellular mitosis, urinary retention, kryptonite poisoning, caledonia, overdoses of awesome anxiety, night terrors, omnipotence, tremors, inflation, renal impairment, photosensitivity, lust in your heart, parathesia, fingernail sensitivity, pelvic discomfort, and public nudity. Consult a doctor if podcasts persist for more than four hours. The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air! Major Spoilers is not responsible for any medical advice that you may receive from a disclaimer. <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome to the Major Spoilers podcast. So glad that you are here with us this week. Oh, my gosh. New Comic Thursday this week. What? New Comic Thursday this week. Is that illegal? No, How it really shouldn't Although, I should say, when Matthew and I were young and mm-hmm. Rodrigo was still toddling around in his nursery, mm-hmm. uh, our actual new comic book day was on Thursday. Because that's about the time. Now allow me to report. Yes, please. When I was a kid, comics came on Tuesday and on Thursday (laughs) because the trucks were delayed. Yeah. Sometimes that happens. But anyway. (laughs) So new comic Thursday this week. So don't uh, don't go to your shop on Wednesday or you'll be going back again on Thursday. That's your warning. Because Jim will give you that look like, what the hell is wrong with you? Didn't you people look at that flyer I stuck in your bag last week? Surely you would know that... This week, <laughs> comic books are released on Thursday. <laughs> All right, let's, let us get to our news this week. <laughs> Thoughts on the upcoming, uh, what's his name, Rain Wilson super movie. Mm-hmm. We've got Batman 3 to be a Legends of the Dark Knight storyline, or the Superman plot revealed. Spin that web of, of that wheel of destiny. And there it lands right there on Batman 3, The Dark Knight Rises. Might just be a Legends of the Dark Knight storyline. Hmm. Hmm. I've always said Legends hmm. of the Dark Knight was one of the greatest comic book series of all time, and they should never have canceled it. <laughs> or at least that's what they say. So, uh, a yeah, lot well, of word coming out, a lot, lot of rumors coming out, not, not yet confirmed. People have been wondering who's going to be the villain, how is it going to be cerebral if... Uh, if uh, Chris Nolan is doing this and people have dug through their back issues and gone through the bins and they think that it's going to be the prey storyline, which ran in uh, legends of the dark Knight uh, issues 11 through 15 in probably 1990 or so. Mm. Uh, yeah, probably about 1990 or so written by Doug Minch, uh, Paul Gal- Galancy and Terry Austin. Lunch. 
it's got uh, it's got the appearance of Hugo Lassie. Strange as a psychiatrist who's obsessed with uh, with Jane. Batman, and uh, he convinces them. He convinces the city. He convinces Jim Gordon that uh, let's capture Batman. Let's study him. Let's see what makes him tick. However, Hugo Strange has already figured out who Batman is and starts mentally torturing him and doing mm. all sorts of psychological tricks and playing with his mind. Uh, Hugo Strange even goes on to uh, hypnotize Sergeant Max Cord into believing that he is a vigilante and he dons a costume and then he goes out and kidnaps the mayor's daughter and it's up to Batman to rescue the mayor's daughter. Hugo Strange is shot a lot before falling into the river or into the water or something in his body is never recovered. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Now, Matthew, Hugo Strange has been no stranger to obsession with <laughs> Batman and actually being in many, many, many Batman stories similar to this one over time. Correct. Hugo Strange is actually old school in the, the extreme. I want to say Hugo dates back to, uh, well, when Batman debuted in 1927, obviously. <laughs> no, Detective th- Comics number 36... Winter of 1940. No. Detective Comics number 27 is where Batman <laughs> debuted. But I, yeah, Hugo Strange is very much old school. I think in one of his earlier appearances, he created these giant monster men that wandered mm-hmm. around Gotham. So mm-hmm. I actually, uh, initially, when you said Prey, I was thinking at first it was the arc with the Venom. Yeah, and that's kind of interesting because that Venom line actually was a lead in to. Um, Bane, because that's where we mm. get this, because it introduced the, the, the Venom, yeah. well, it introduced the Venom serum, mm-hmm. how it enhances the strength and how Batman had to fight. That was actually, actually a very excellent arc. I think Bane was extrapolated from that, but as you pointed out, the storyline about the Venom was called Venom, and then I thought mm-hmm. maybe it was the one with the shaman, but the one with no, the shaman is called, called shaman. shaman. That's right. That's right. Right. And then I thought for a moment it was the one with the blades, but that one is called Blades. So then I realized <laughs> well, that the reason the you like Two Legends Face of the Dark Knight is because it's easy to understand the titles. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. That way you don't have to get confused and, and think too hard about your Batman. But exactly. I actually, I really like this storyline because Paul Galassi is a, a big favorite for me. Oh, yeah. Paul Galassi dating back to Master of Kung Fu, also with Doug Munch, which we might want to consider adding to our uh, stack of uh, trade paperbacks. Prey? Mm-hmm. Sure, no but problem. I've Prey, got the Prey and also Master of Kung Fu. Oh, okay. But yeah, I would I would say that Prey is a good, strong story, and I think it fits with that Christopher Nolan sensibility, where it's not over the top. It's a Batman who's, you know, very much couched in realistic terms, if mm-hmm. you can count, you know, a, a super genius uh, millionaire child who has all the powers of a ninja that he learned from an immortal guy in the hills of, of Tibet to be realistic. Well, you know, you know it's the, at least based in that fact. The thing is, Nolan doesn't seem to like the the gimmicky, magical, right. um, over the top stuff that you would find in maybe a Killer Croc or maybe that you would find in a um, Clayface. Clayface or something like that. Um and considering that Inception is very cerebral, Hugo Strange is probably, next to the Mad Hatter, probably one of the more cerebral-type mm-hmm. characters, or even Edward Nigma that you might come across. The fact right. that uh, in The Dark Knight, Batman is considered a, um, uh, a wanted felon, mm-hmm. and he's being hunted, and Nolan has said that this movie is supposed to return Batman to his place as a hero among the people of Gotham. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that he goes and saves the mayor's uh, daughter might just do that. 
But, you know, there's a lot of Batman right. stories out there. I mean, this is the rumor. This is what they, you got to put that in air quotes. Right. Uh, you got to put that in air quotes because it is just a rumor. And people have been like, well, how come you haven't uh, been talking about it on the major spoiler site? And it's like, well, some rumors, when they seem fairly vague, we d- won't probably report on them, especially if they seem too crazy. Cause but sometimes if they're too crazy, sometimes they're then fun. The, we will talk about them. Yes. Like Catwoman. Yes, yes, the Catwoman stuff from a couple of years ago, we'll talk about that. But lately, though, you start falling into the rumor trap, and everybody's running rumors, and then the next day everyone's disproving those rumors, and then the next day yeah. somebody else and is counteracting those rumors. we got to stop and, spreading the rumors around. Stop yeah. spreading lies. Yeah, exactly. So, Rodrigo, thoughts on this idea? Does it sound cool? It's not your idea. I mean, it's a not. lot of a lot of people were like Christopher Nolan. You need to listen to this podcast and use Rodrigo's idea. Yeah, but uh, it and is. And then Christopher Nolan said, um, "He's talking about Superman, not Batman. You idiots!" Right. That's a different one. Yeah. yeah. Also, um, Michael Bay needs to listen to my Transformers pitch. But <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing wrong with the Transformers movie. People, Michael Bay did not screw up the 3D process, according to Michael Bay. Certainly not. Um, <laughs> I do. I like it. I like. I like this idea. It is. Similar to mine, because in mine I had kind of two detectives chasing after one bad guy, and this one is kind of like one bad guy that creates another bad man and another bad man. So it is that kind of uh, triple, like, right. you do have that that three-point tension, mm-hmm. um, which is important, which I think is where a lot of the double villain ideas come from. But mm-hmm. this, to me, seems a little stronger. It's Also, it kind of, um, if they go with this storyline... It does reflect what uh, happened in the previous one because in right. the previous one, the big bad guy was the Joker, mm-hmm. and he manipulates Harvey Dent into becoming Two Face, basically. Right. So in this one, Hugo Strange could manipulate this other guy into becoming Evil Batman. Right now, Matthew, um, wasn't Hugo Strange involved in a storyline that Grant Morrison then resurrected uh, about some um, um, mind experiment where Batman locked himself up and then they said they had to create all these other Batman and have him go through a psychological Yeah, profile. Robin dies at dawn, I think, is what you're thinking is of. Is that the one I'm not. thinking of? Okay. Well, Robin, the one that I'm thinking of is the one where Robin dies horribly, but it turns out that he Batman has been in a uh, device that basically a, a, a uh, what do you call those things? Where you're like uh, the suppression chamber, not the uh, what's that? What's that called? Deprivation chamber, sensory deprivation. Yeah, yeah. 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 He's he's deprived of his senses, and I can't remember what you call that kind of sensory deprivation chamber. But uh, is is the series called Batman Sensory Deprivation Chamber? (laughs) Probably, it's a Legends of the Dark Knight arc, you know. (laughs) Uh, But in any case. I th- if we're talking about the same thing, and it sounds like we're not, no. um, the sensory deprivation causes Batman to flip out a little bit, and he dreams of this alternate reality where Robin is killed horribly, and then uh, he wakes up, and it's like it was all a dream, a horrible dream. I'm just trying to, I'm, I can't find it right now through a quick search, but uh, it was something about Batman's replacements, and they had like four separate guys who all went through this experiment to get the psychological profile of Batman and each one of them came out differently and then they buried the experiment or you know Batman defeated them this may have been a Silver Age story I can't remember one of our listeners will remind us and then when Morrison started on his run of uh, Batman he resurrected those characters for a whole arc Mm -hmm. where they're going around being or maybe it wasn't Morrison maybe it was somebody else just recently it was in the last two years where they're going around Mm -hmm. and and killing and doing all sorts of stuff and it was a reflection back to that old storyline. Mm-hmm. I couldn't remember if Hugo Strange was involved in, in that as well. 
Well, Hugo Strange was part of the incredibly, wonderfully awesome uh, Steve Englehart, Marshall Rogers run that had uh, the Laughing Fish and Silver St. Cloud and all that yes. in the 70s. Yes. Which was an amazing chunk of storytelling. But at that point, he was faking his own death and pretending to be a ghost of Hugo Strange. <laughs> it was cool. All right. Any other thoughts, Rodrigo? Nope, I'm good. Uh, Matthew, any other thoughts on this? It'd be kind of cool if it was. Hugo it was. A- and, you know, if it, if it isn't, and there's a pretty good likelihood that it may all be crap. If it isn't, obviously they're going to be taking it. What was the Legends of Dark Knight arc with the guy who could fly? The flying man that could fly? or the one that was drawn by bart sears i think it was called batman is a bulbous uh, enormous freak you're thinking of flyer issues 24 through 26 there we go there was flyer and then there was the one about uh the gangs it was called gang yep all good stuff then there was the one about the turf war it was called turf Mm -hmm. yeah that was pretty awesome basically batman legends of the dark knight arc was named by the same guy who named the legion of superheroes yeah exactly I yeah. love it. Never should have canceled that series. Never should have canceled it. There's a one about where Batman yeah. is fighting in an indoor soccer uh, place, and it's called Turf. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be called Pele. <laughs> There's one where Batman meets a guy with no arms and no legs hanging on a wall, and it's called Art. <laughs> oh, that same guy comes back and ends up on the porch, and they call him Matt. And then yep. that time that he met that woman with the one leg shorter than the other, and it's called Eileen. Nah. All right, no, everybody. no, no, hey. no, no. She was Chinese. It's actually Irene. <laughs> God. Okay. <laughs> Listeners, you know what? December 15th is quickly approaching. And I'm so uh, we sorry. have had <laughs> phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal <laughs> feedback from listeners who have checked out the majorspoilers.com slash store and purchased the limited edition critical hit t shirt that you can get for only nineteen ninety five. Order it now before it's gone because when December fifteenth ends, so does this offer. Help us out because we can do great things if you help us do great great things. And uh order a shirt now. They look wonderful. They look great. Uh Rodrigo's got one already. He's been wearing it around, mm-hmm. showing it off, teasing us with it. Go yep. check it out. Majorspoilers.com slash store. Also, if you're looking for some other interesting stories over at Major Spoilers, head over there and check out uh, Rodrigo's um, Rodrigo's Alternate Heroes Top mm-hmm. 10. What's that one about? Um, You know, comic books have given us, like, everybody loves Spider-Man, Batman, Superman. So a, a big part of the comic book superhero experience is that eventually they're going to come up with an alternate version either a version from the future or some kind of weird clone or a sliver of your magic weapon will fall off and a frog will pick it up you know that sort of thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so i count down the top 10 best or at least most interesting ones cool and we're not going to give away the, the number one. We are not. We are not. Also, Matthew has a whole slew of retro reviews and other things that you can check out all over there at yep. Majorspoilers.com. We're going to take a quick break. We can t- we're going to tell you how you can get a shout-out at the top of the show, just like we did to our good friend uh, Andrew Wiggins. I mean, Mark Wiggins up there at the top of the show. <laughs> um, and we'll be back to uh, get into some reviews. How to get a Major Spoilers shout-out. If you want to get a personalized shout-out at the top of the show, all you have to do is the following steps. Number one, visit Majorspoilers.com. Two, click on the Make a Donation button. Three, donate $10 or more to the cause. Four, 
Sit back and relax, and hear Matthew butcher your name and say something cute about you. Major spoilers, bringing the good stuff since 2006. Thank you for everybody who contributes to the Major Spoilers cause, whether you're buying a t-shirt or whether you're donating $10 off the Major Spoilers website, Yay. and you click on that button, we are so, so, so happy to have you uh, yep. being part of the Major Spoilers experience. Don't have any listener email to this week, mainly because I forgot to include it into the show notes. <laughs> That's okay. But I do Enjoy. I do have a, a, a thing. You have a thing? For our listeners. Uh, for our listeners? Yeah, since, since, since we are heard around the world, everywhere. There's a chance I bet you that someone may be listening to this podcast after dark on December 1st, 2010. Hello, future Hebrews, and happy Hanukkah. There you go. All right. Uh, let's get to some reviews. Books that we may have or may not have reviewed in this past week. Crazy Thanksgiving weekend. If you didn't get to the store on Wednesday, and if your store wasn't open on Friday, which they'd be crazy not to be open on Friday, mm-hmm. there is a huge heaping helping really? of... Thanksgiving reading to be done at your local comic book store this week. Mine came while I was out of town, so I had no comics to read while I was stuck Ooh. in a house with four screaming kids. Really, though, it's probably best that way because if those kids got a hold of your comics, yeah, they you probably have obliterated right. them. You are probably right. One of them would have looked at it and go, ah, "It's scary! Oh no, this one has it's, a cover. It's Scooby Doo." It's scary. Zoinks. <laughs> That's what you need to do. You need to teach him to say zoinks. Then at least he'll be funny when he's wimpy. Uh, Lock and key. Keys, Keys to the Kingdom number three from IDW. Uh, probably my second favorite book that came out this week. Uh, as we know, the uh, the Lock children have been discovering all these keys in the key house and having uh, Dodge fight them, trying to find the Omega key, which we've seen where it's at. We just haven't seen it appear. Uh, the problem with the lock and key, well, it's not really a problem, but a concern slash partial complaint about the lock and key series is there's supposedly all of these keys, and yet up to this issue, we've only seen maybe four, five, six keys total. Mm-hmm. Uh, this issue changes all of that. In this single issue, we get to see six new keys that the children discover, and I don't know what they're called, um, but from what I can tell, we've got one that might uh, that I'm going to call the Jester Key where you open up a little closet and there's all sorts of uh, powerful uh, enhancements. Like there's a necklace that you can wear that gives you strength three times your normal strength. Mm -hmm. Um, There's weapons and all these other things. There's a wing key that lets you fly. Uh, Not quite like the bird key, which actually changes you into a bird that we saw a couple of issues ago. Uh, The chain key, which must be some kind of a binding key. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have a, I'm going to call it a nut key. There's a scene where... Um, the oldest child, I forget what his name is off the top of my head, um, is fighting a bunch of squirrels and one of them is holding a squirrel key mm. uh, the, or a key that has a nut, a acorn like a, nut on the okay. end of it. Um, there's a music key that uh, looks like a little musical note that is inside of a music box and it's trying to convince one of the children to kill one of the <laughs> other children. Uh, and then there is the sword slash knife key. It looks like a, uh, it looks like a, a sword. Mm-hmm. But we don't really see what that particular key does in this issue. This issue is fantastic compressed storytelling. It takes place during the month of February. Mm-hmm. And so every couple of panels, or sometimes every panel, you see what events are transpiring that day. So we don't get the full story of this wing key, but we see on February 10th, Friday, 
that they're flying through the air and there's some mechanical owl trying to chase them down and kill them. Mm-hmm. Uh, on February 11th, they're fighting uh, some Necronomicon-looking door with the chain key. Um, and that's all interesting because it helps the story move along really, really fast. And you don't need a lot of explanation. But woven throughout that month, we see the story of relationships mm-hmm. where the kids are supposed to be a tight group of kids. But, you know, you give my son an iPad and you set him down with five other kids. Mm-hmm. And the first thing he's going to do is what? Hey, everybody, look at my iPad. Right. You, if you say, don't tell anybody you have an iPad, the first thing he's going to say is, I got an iPad. Yeah. Right? So this is what's happening with these keys. These kids can't keep the keys a secret, which is really dangerous. Right. And each but also one of very them, realistic. Yeah. And it, it ends up causing problems because uh, um, Kinsey... The girl, she ends up showing her two f- male friends the, the, the head key that helps you remove memories. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys is kind of falling in love with her. And he walks in one day and, and after she's shown him both the head key and she's been doing it with the, with the, with, with the white uh, boy friend person, um, he walks in and sees that the black boyfriend mm-hmm. that she and he are, are messing around with that head key and he takes it the wrong way and by issues in they're in a fist fight with one another mm-hmm. uh then there Ooh. is um then there's Bodie, the little kid he shows one of his little friends the giant key and they go tramping around the yard and crush the gazebo and are doing all sorts of of dangerous things and he gets yelled at saying oh you shouldn't do that you shouldn't do that um then you have uh the oldest child Man, I, I wish I could remember what his name is. Cody. Uh, yeah. Ir- Irwin. Yeah. Um, Jackson. He starts off the issue in uh, on the hockey team, and he's <laughs> the hockey team is just terrible. But there's this girl that he likes that he really gets a lot of flack for because he's the first one to show everybody else the key and say, here's the he- head mm-hmm. key and everything. And as this issue progresses, he's kind of really taken to her. And he decides to sneak into her house in the middle of the night. She's, like, telling him all these things that he should do. And, of course, he does them. And he goes over to her house in the middle of the night. She opens up the, the window. And who should be inside but another guy that she's sleeping with. Right. So all of these relationships start out really good at the first of the month. But by the end of the month, everybody hates one another. Everybody is, is fighting with one another. In the case of, uh, of the older child, he um, um, decides that I don't care about anybody anymore. He becomes more sullen and withdrawn. And at the end of the issue, because the coach is telling them, hey, I want to win this last game of the season, he ends up putting on one of the medallions that make him three times stronger and just wipes the floor mm-hmm. with the, uh, the other hockey team. And it's, it's, it's a great story about how relationships fall apart when you can't keep a secret. Yeah. Or when you let or too many people yeah. in on your inner circle and how things can fall apart. And about how February is a terrible month. It is a terrible month. For a short month, there's a lot of action in this issue of Lock mm-hmm. and Key number three. Joe Hill, obviously a, a terrific writer, even though there's a, not a lot of uh, dialogue exchange and there's not a lot of, of wording that has to go on here. Of course, he does have to script out the piece, such as this great uh, scene that takes place in the greenhouse where they're fighting these uh, plant, monsters. plant monsters that Dodge conjure, conjures up. And um, and it's just really well-paced, well-told. The art, of course, by Gabriel Rodriguez is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, these two together, I wish this series wouldn't end, but it's getting closer to ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, this arc has, well, it says right here on the front, 16 issues and it's all over. 
16 issues. Uh, this is such a great story. I want it to continue. I can't wait to see what happens on the television series when they finally, uh, when they finally do it. If you like Lock and Key, you can't go wrong with this. It's a five out of five slices of meatloaf issue for me. Nice. Fantastic all around. Such a quick read for a short month, but so much happens. Uh, it'll keep your attention. And if you can figure out what the names of all the keys are, I tried to do some research to see what people online were saying. Mm-hmm. Can't find anything right well, now. But this is their first appearance, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. So good, good, good stuff. Matthew, do you have a uh, do you have a comic book for us uh, this week? I do indeed. Okay, what do you got? I have Secret Avengers number seven. What? Another Marvel book? Why are we always covering Marvel on this podcast? I know. It's just uh, we're always with the Marvel and we never cover enough DC and boom and image and all the Marvel, Marvel, Marvel. Well, I think what it is is my deep abiding love of Wolverine. Oh, okay. That's what it is. Now, Secret Avengers. Does it have Wolverine in it? No. It's the only Avengers title that doesn't, actually. (laughs) Why are you laughing? That's not a joke. Okay. Uh, Secret Avengers features the awesome super team of Valkyrie, Beast, Ant-Man, Black Widow, War Machine, Steve Rogers. He's called the Commander now. Commander. And I can't say that word without sounding like... Is it just the Commander? Or is he called Commander Rogers? Commander Rogers. Okay. Commander Rogers. I think War Machine is probably going to be off the team soon because he's changing his name and getting a new thing. And, you know, the Beast will eventually be back under the X-Men hegemony because, well, he's a mutant and you can't get away from that. But this issue also guest stars a couple of interesting characters. First, uh, the Prince of Orphans from uh, Immortal Iron Fist. And one of Marvel's most underrated, super awesome characters, Shang-Chi, the master of Kung Fu. Master of Kung Fu. Not to be confused with Shang-Fu, the master of Tai Chi, who actually works at my local comic shop. And what about Um, Fing-Fang-Foom? Where does he fit into all this? Fing-Fang-Foom? Don't be ridiculous. (laughs) Um, Now, here's something very important that you have to know about Marvel history. And as a quote-unquote historian... Thanks for the quote, Stephen. (laughs) Back in the day... When they created Master of Kung Fu, the Master of Kung Fu book was actually written uh, as kind of a spinoff, an outcropping of Sax Romer's novels about Fu Manchu. Mm-hmm. So Sir Dennis Nayland Smith appeared and Black Jack Tar. Characters from those novels appeared in the Master of Kung Fu series. And Shang-Chi is an original Marvel character who is the son of Fu Manchu. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Marvel no longer has the rights to the Fu Manchu character, and whomever does have the rights seems to be uh, the kind of people that Marvel are afraid of, because they cannot legally call him Fu Manchu anymore. So he is referred to throughout this issue as Shang-Chi's father. Mm. In previous appearances, I think they called him Mr. Han, like the villain from uh, Enter the Dragon. Mm-hmm. But uh, the uh, evil Shadow Council led by some evil guy whose uh, who's sidekick is the LMD version of Nick Fury from Avengers Defenders a million years ago, have come to catch Shang-Chi. And I think they're going to try and kill him and use his blood to resurrect Fu Manchu. Mm. But Tom Welling. the issue opens. <laughs> Tom Welling? Yeah. The issue opens with actually a pretty impressive thing. Now, this book took the place of uh, Dark Avengers which was drawn by Mike Deodato, 
Deodato Domo, Arigato, Mike Deodato Domo. And um, he's handling the art in this issue, and it starts with a fight sequence. Captain America, only not. The son of Fu Manchu, only not. And uh, the Black Widow, with some serious cleavage, are fighting millions and millions of ninjas. It's actually a pretty cool sequence. And the millions say, of ninjas like end awesome. up... Yeah, and it's like six pages. And the millions of ninjas end up stealing uh, Shang-Chi. But of course, they have a secret weapon. And that secret weapon is Ant-Man. But Ant-Man, you know, has control of Pym Particles. And Pym Particles go both ways. Much oh, like yeah? my ex. Sounds and- hot. <laughs> yeah, I know. So halfway through the issue, Ant-Man pulls out his secret weapon of his own. Which reminds out of the gutter schlicker. And we are introduced to Giant Ant-Man. Wait, Giant Ant-Man. My wife always asks me about That's that. That's what he calls himself. He, how come he's called an Ant-Man, yet he's giant? Because he's Giant man <laughs> Exactly. And that was the joke when they originally created him. But in any case, there's some fighty-fighty. And Ant-Man's Road to Redemption... For anybody who ever read the old Irredeemable Ant-Man comic where he was just a douchebag, is actually fascinating because under the wing of Captain America, Ant-Man is becoming almost a decent human being. Now, is this which is, is this Hank cool. or is this the, the guy who stole the... This is Eric, Eric O'Grady. Mm-hmm. It's the new Ant-Man. Eric O'Grady. And he's someone's always after his lucky charms, apparently. But Eric O'Grady is the new one. Hank Pym, of course, is the wasp now. Gotcha. Because it's perfectly normal when your wife dies to name yourself after her. <laughs> I believe President Eleanor Roosevelt did that. <laughs> but there's some cool stuff with the Prince of Orphans and some cool stuff with the Valkyrie. And the Valkyrie uh, is actually interesting. And then there's a big two-page spread about the Age of X, which um, I move on. But the issue ends with a big schmageggy thing. Shang-Chi is in custody. And the evil head of the Shadow Council brings out his secret weapon. And his secret weapon is supered as John Steele, America's real first super soldier. I don't know anything about John Steele, and I honestly haven't had time to go and Google him and see if he's a new character mm-hmm. or if he's a reference to someone else. But he looks remarkably like Doc Savage mm. in the one page where he appears. Okay. And I don't know if that's intentional or if it's just all in my head, but... Secret Avengers is really good. And it's, you know, it's my second favorite Avengers book right after Avengers Academy, which uh, features less Wolverine, but still some. It's interesting to see Captain America, who's the ultimate red, white, and blue above board guy running a black ops squad. Mm -hmm. Basically his own underground wet works division. And it's, you know, it's interesting to see them try again a team with a rotating cast. If the cast rotates correctly, this can be really successful. But I don't know if you guys ever read Secret Defenders, where the cast rotated badly and Is rotated out of place. Book? Yeah. Oh, then I've never read it. <laughs> see, Drax the Destroyer, Stephen. I don't understand Is, that guy. <laughs> he's kind of like imagine Hugo Strange with a big purple cape. <laughs> Uh, overall, it's a good, strong issue. I'd say three and a half slices of meatloaf. Well drawn, well written. Ed Brubaker is handling this one. And he's doing spy, spy, fighty, fighty instead of the usual kicky, kicky, you know, smack him in the face. It's but. got ninjas. I guarantee you, in three yeah. years, ninjas will be 
the new vampires and the new werewolves. And, and ninjas, ninjas actually will vampires back around. Ninjas will will vampires, vampires are the new ninjas. Yes, and yeah, be really, that's what it too. is. They'll be sparkly too. Yeah. Well, they'll just change ninja, ninja vampire werewolves versus yeah. Frankenstein versus <laughs> Frank versus <laughs> Abbott and Costello. Yeah. Vampire werewolf dolphins, I think. And you know, for all intents and purposes, though, this book is. Going to get an A from me for one reason and one reason only. Shang-Chi! <laughs> I think Shang-Chi would actually be a decent uh, hero history person. It wouldn't take me 11 million years to write, and I could go mm-hmm. look and look at some awesome Paul Galassi art. Cool. Cool, cool. Well, thank you, Matthew. Both of those were last week from, uh, from many of the companies. Uh, Lock and Key from IDW, and of course, this uh, Secret Avengers number seven, which I may just go pick up. I can't. Uh, from Marvel. I can't remember what company that's from. Yeah, that's from Marvel. Uh, Rodrigo, I'm going been- to guess that over your Thanksgiving holiday, you didn't play a lot of, or you didn't read a lot of comic books. Um, I think I read a little bit. Okay, but nothing to talk about tonight. No, not really. Instead, let's talk about video games, which is yep. your. Which is your area of Vigi expertise. Vigi games, as, yep. as Hank Hill would say. I'll tell you what, Bobby, you put away them Vigi games. Yep. <laughs> now, Bobby, when Bobby. you're trying to work with propane. <laughs> <laughs> propane. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, my That boy is just not right. <laughs> um, I got a chance to play, I'll actually, all the way through Fable 3. Ooh, Fable 3. Now, this is the one... I remember Fable 1, mm-hmm. or the first Fable, it wasn't called right. Fable 1, right. but it's where you got to decide whether you were going to do good things or right. you were going to do bad things, right. and based on your decision, the story built out from there. Yep, and your character would change kind of in a Dorian Grayish way, yes. um, depending on your decisions. You'd either turn into Mr. Smithers, hey, I, love I mean, uh, Mr. Burns, or right. you'd turn into Homer Simpson by right. the end of the game, right? Yeah. pretty much. Okay. Um, I remember that game. I played it once. There's then there was Fable Two, which uh, follows a a similar thing, um, and now we get to Fable Three. Fable Three has a lot of the stuff that people have come to expect from Fable. You run around, you kill monsters, you interact with people, you buy property, um, and then rent it out. Yeah. There's a there's a very significant uh, economical aspect to the Fable games. Um, and the the big draw of Fable 3 is that um, you are on the road. You basically, the first off, the first two Fable games basically take place around medieval times. Um, the third Fable game takes place at the dawn, sort of, of the Industrial Revolution in the fictional continent of Albion. Okay. Um, so... The same. It has the same locations. The storyline of the three is is, is a continuing storyline. the The character that you play in Fable Three is a descendant of the character that you played in Fable One. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, because this and takes Fable place more like well. a Renaissance period as opposed to yeah. medieval period. Okay. Um. So the um, you know, there's all this stuff going on. The people are unhappy. The monarch is oppressing them. You play a prince. Your brother is the king. Or a princess, because you can be a boy or a girl. Um, and basically, you have to leave the castle, amass followers, and lead a revolution against them. Mm, okay. Now, the cool thing, and, and probably the most interesting thing about the game, is that once you lead the revolution and take over the country, 
then you enter basically the third act of the game in which you are a king and the decisions you make impact what happens to your kingdom and basically how the game then actually ends. Oh, cool. Um, So does it turn into a big civilization kind of thing? No, not quite. Uh, Basically, as you move through the story, you make promises to people. You know, Mm -hmm. you have this... uh, enclave of nomads in the mountains that pledge you know pledge their allegiance to you as long as you essentially promise to protect their lands Mm -hmm. afterwards Mm -hmm. and you meet people in the city who are like well if you bring us out of poverty if you pass legislation to keep people to keep kids from working in our suit filled factories then we will join you so you make all these promises right and then at the end it's like okay this Basically, this cataclysm is going to happen. This uh, seer shows up and says, hey, you've experienced this great evil thing that's going to happen. You need to amass enough money to build an army to fight this thing. Time to break all your promises or keep your promises and figure out how many of your people are going to die. So you are thrown into this... Um, situation in which, as the king, you have to decide, do I keep my promises, right, or do I break them so that I so that more people can live, basically. Um, it's very interesting and gives the game a lot of replay value because every decision you make, you can always go back and choose the exact opposite decision and see what happens. Cool. And uh, graphics look great. The graphics look good. There's, it's, uh, it's an improvement over Fable 2's graphics. Um, probably the best part about it is that now you can actually physically interact with people. In Fable 2, you could, you know, sort of do things at them and they would do things back at you. In this right. one, you can actually shake hands with them, hug them. Um, and it's funny because in Fable 2, when you wanted somebody to follow you or when you needed to bring a person, you would talk to them and then tell them to follow you and they would follow you mm-hmm. in fable three you actually hold their hand oh cool so you actually move around and the person you know gets pulled along as you are running or whatever and this is on xbox uh, 360. 360 so do you get some is there a rumble controller with the there is the, there is a rumble um option and and there are parts of the game that are very rumbly cool um as as things explode and stuff it is it is very um it, the the game has a very strong storytelling. It has a very keen cinematic um, idea. There is this part, probably the the most evocative part of the game. You end up in this like temple to the evil dark gods of ages past and stuff, mm-hmm. and it is creepy. It is just very very strong. There are these pools of black ooze that drip upwards. Yeah. They just kind of like bubble up and Ooh. float into the air, kind Sounds of like stuff. Somebody stole uh, our idea from our critical hit. Hey, team. you know, it's I, I like to think of it as great minds thinking alike. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you know, this is kind of this is the stuff I like. And, right, right, and right. There are a lot of great, great things that you can do. The character Fable has always been good about having highly customizable characters. Mm-hmm. Fable three is to a certain degree a step backward because. There are less potential outfits mm-hmm. um, that you can have on your character. Um, and they did something that's pissing off a lot of people. Which is? Myself included. Which is that you have these, you get these dyes so that you can dye your clothes whatever color you want. But the black dye 
you have to pay for. Like literally, you have to spend your Xbox points or whatever. Really? To get a package that has the black dye in it. How many? So you dye? can't have a black dye outfit. Colors are there? There's probably uh, five, four, five. Probably about twelve or sixteen. Ah, eh, probably about twelve. So you know, I can I can have light pink clothing, but I can't have black clothing, and that I don't know. That just really annoyed me because as so you always wear black. Well, as someone like black is the most basic thing, uh, you know, obviously for a color combination. If I want to have something that is bright yellow, what am I going to contrast it with? Probably black. Mm-hmm. If I want to have something that's light blue, what am I going to contrast it with? Probably black. You know, and the fact that it's not on there, the fact that the fact that my character can't have black hair really annoys me. Unless I pay for it. And for that matter, unless I spend a lot of money because I don't actually have an Xbox Live subscription. Listeners, Christmas is coming up. Rodrigo would like an Xbox Live subscription. Please pay one for him. Yes. You can all chip in. It should be about one cent <laughs> if all of you guys chip in. Everybody just send a dollar right now. Just stop what you're doing. Send a dollar to Major Spoilers. Yep. And Rodrigo can uh, retire for a month. But um, all in all, <laughs> I would give this game definitely four slices of meatloaf. It is a, it is above average. It's, you know, for everything that they vastly improve, there are things that I'm nostalgic for, for Fable 2, things that that game did a little bit better. But it's its own game. It doesn't... It's not just the same game with new content. It is a different game. It does its own thing. You know, it takes things that were important in the previous game and downplays them and takes things that were very minor in the previous game and makes a whole new thing out of them. So just for that, it is it is strong because it's, it's I think, as a game designer, like as, as game designers or writers or whatever, it is difficult to take something that's already been established and turn it into a brand new thing. And I mm-hmm. think that Fable 3 does a very good job of it. Very cool. Uh, Matthew, what was your what was your rating on uh, Secret Adventures? I f- forgot to write it down. Three and a half. 3.5. Excellent. All right, there you go. You can find out more of these reviews over at Major Spoilers. And when uh, we're going to do this thing, and then uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking about Grant Morrison's All-Star Superman. Hello, who's this? Hello there, this is Slappy from Pennsylvania. Slappy from Pennsylvania. What can we do for (laughs) you? All right, I was just actually listening to the Turkey Day uh, podcast on my way home from work. Ah, and I really got into the Sesame Street segment because not long ago I read a book called Street Gang. Street and, yes, Rodrigo, uh, Alan, who took over the store for Mr. Hooper, mm-hmm. is dead. He died back in the 80s, probably before you were born. I'm not really sure about that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Northern Callaway was his real name. He died all the way back then. He really kind of went nuts. He was institutionalized. Um, he beat the mother of a child. Uh, well, he used to like to enjoy women when he was on the Sesame Street tour. And he would have women in every town. And he went nuts one night, beat one profusely. And uh, they kept that out of the Inquirer before the days of media. Wait, but, Alan, Alan, yeah. the, Alan the Asian guy? Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was thinking... 
Northern Callaway, the African-American gentleman. Oh, that Alan is... Oh, I'm sorry. He is still there, yes. So uh, we're talking about David. Ah, uh, I stand corrected, Rodrigo. I am sorry. I have no problem admitting why I'm wrong. Oh, it's all good. I uh, mean, just bring the fact that you brought us to brought this to our attention is pretty uh is pretty yeah. good. So, so this guy was part of Sesame Street, and when he went on tour, did all kinds of bad things. Well, he had bipolar disorder that he that went untreated, mm-hmm. and one day he did end up happy, he did snap. And he did beat up uh, the mother, I think it was in Tennessee or Kentucky or something like that. He had a particular enjoyment of uh, pale women. Hmm. And so back down there, that also didn't carry very well. Right. But Northern Callaway did have those problems, and he was very talented with dance and everything else. But unfortunately, that did happen. But the book Street Gang is uh, not necessarily like a acquire behind the scenes look but it's a pretty good history of educational television and what really went on or a number of things that ended up going on with uh sesame street the muppets and the creation wow wow very interesting it says here on the uh, on the wiki that uh he beat marketing director of the tennessee performing arts center Mary Stagaman with an iron rod during her and giving her a serious head in, injury and rib injuries, and then he fled to the suburbs of Nashville. Wow! Wow, that's pretty uh, pretty intense. Yeah, he died in the mental institution. Actually, uh, there really wasn't much of a cause. He did, I believe, have a heart attack, and it was one of those things. If I read it correctly, it was one where he was under the delusion that something was happening, huh. and it actually gave him that kind of. Uh, heart attack where he apparently yeah, he believed something else and, was going yeah. on yeah it says that he died from what's called the eds excited delirium syndrome wow wow interesting Kinda like dreamscape wow thanks for bringing the entire show down slappy <laughs> <laughs> hey i am always ready to bring a show down or bring things to a screeching halt all right slappy thanks for much so much for giving us a call all right bye good times good time uh no that's actually jj jimmy walker oh Hey, it's Larry King again. I'd like to talk about All-Star Superman by Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely. It is probably, in my opinion, the best Superman story ever told. I, from beginning to end, you know how it's going to end. Superman's going to, let's say, if you ain't read it by now, it's called Major Spoilers for a reason, people. He's going to die. But touching on everything from the the whole Superman universe, this whole Silver Age stuff with the Kurt Swan, you know, Kurt Swan-inspired story from the Kurt Swan era, uh, Swan, not Spawn, but where you got Pa Kent passing, you got Zimbaro, I mean, uh, the, the bizarro homeworld of Cube Earth, you got the Samson and Atlas, you know, vying for Lois's affection, super, uh, Lois Lane's Superwoman. Uh, it's the most poignant and touching Superman stories of all time. And it, regardless if you like Morrison or you like Quietly's art, it's still fantastic. So if you haven't Read it, you better go pick it up now or your head will explode. Please, for the love of God, buy that book. Thanks for reviewing this, guys. Bye. Okay, before we uh, before we get into our segment, I'll have you know that I was doing some research here. Mm-hmm. And I uh, when yeah. we were talking earlier about that uh, isolation chamber thing, 
you were right, Matthew. I was thinking of Batman Dies at Dawn, but I actually did think that they were also doing a replacement Batman Batman storyline in that that they covered up. That was actually from the Grant Morrison Batman run of Three Ghosts of Batman arc, where they flash back to there that you story, go. where they flash back to that Death of Robin storyline, mm. but Morrison tweaked it to uh, put Doctor Hurt as the doctor in charge of that experiment, who then went on to create three Batman mm-hmm. in that Batman run. So that's where I was getting it mixed up, and I thought it was Hugo Strange and not Simon Hurt, who's been the uh, the nemesis in, in Morrison's uh, Batman run for the last couple of years. So that clears it up, and I'm sure people cool. have already posted on the message board before finally listening to this part of the episode going, right. oh, no, what you're thinking of is this. Well, thank you, listeners, for posting that. Yes. We do appreciate well, it. It turns we out do, I was we right. Do, we do. Which is a good rule of thumb to go by at Major Spoilers. Yes. When in doubt, trust the fat guy because he's usually about 12% right. Uh, you know what we forgot to do last second, <coughs> Matthew? What's that? We forgot to do the Major Spoilers poll of the week. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. But it's also kind of good. You that forgot we... about the poll of the week? Well, it was that interrupting uh, phone call that we got just it's now. It's but... time. <laughs> Perhaps it is late, but it is always time for the major spoilers. Paul, week, 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 week. It is. It is kind of fitting that we have the poll of the week in this segment of the show because we're talking about All Star Superman. But if you had to put the titles back to back. There was also another all-star series that came out about the same time called All-Star Batman and Robin, the Boy Wonder. and um, Also known as Asbar. Asbar. The cool thing about the All-Star Superman series is it actually made its 12-issue run. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, and I think it's more, and I think Jim Lee has fessed up to it, uh, the Asbar uh, series actually ended at issue 9, because Jim just couldn't keep up with the art schedule, couldn't keep on track, even though I guess Miller has it all done, mm-hmm. and it was supposed to be a continuing, ongoing series. I heard they were bringing it back in February. I don't think it's coming back in February. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't think we're going to see it at all in, uh, in 2011. But the poll of the week this week is, which one did you like most, the All-Star Superman or the All-Star Batman and Robin, the Boy Wonder? Rodrigo, go! Um, you know, to me, it is kind of like... Uh sexy apples and angry oranges like it's just <laughs> really not they're not comparable um but i guess all in all i'll, I'll you know which one that i like best I'll, I'll go with uh all-star superman um i think that there was a there were a lot of great things in all-star batman and robin the boy wonder and ace the super hound <laughs> or the bat hound um yes and all those things were vicky vale in her underwear and black canary well that like i it explored a lot of interesting things, you know, where when, you know, Batman beats up some guys and Black Canary shows up and beats up some guys and is like, let's have sex right now. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know that. And that's kind of how the whole book feels. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, my God, this is so great. I am punching people in the face. Right, right, right. And I, I understand that. I understand <laughs> the appeal of that. But I get tired of it. Uh-huh. Honestly, it's kind of exhausting to read. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I'll probably yeah. go with Superman on this one. Matthew. I think that. 
There's a couple of things that I take into account when I look at this. Okay. Naturally, I'm more drawn to the character of Superman right. than Batman. Right. I am not a huge fan of either. Honestly, neither of them are on my favorite list. Oh, right. Yeah. But if I were looking at, you know, a comic book story, I want comic book stories with, you know, larger than life guys with big square jaws punching things really hard. Right. But I also want for it to have, you know, something that's comic booky. And I think. Probably in my lifetime, since to me, since the crisis, Batman has been less a character and more a series of tropes. And when I read All-Star Batman and Robin, what it is, is it's like a distillation of those tropes down to their to their core emphasis. And it's, you know, rubbing alcohol has a pretty powerful kick, but I don't want to drink it because I'll go blind. And it's Mm -hmm. that effect for me. Uh, All-Star Batman is like, oh, I'm the goddamn Batman. This is everything that is cool and awesome and kick-ass. This book was written by Barney Stinson and drawn by Rob Liefeld on PCP. <laughs> or, you know, words to that effect. Whereas All-Star Superman is, to me, a gentler story. More of a uh, a love letter to the Silver Age and everything that Mort Weisinger and his creators did. And All-Star Superman has more of a an uplifting kind of feel to it. It's sort of a, it it takes all those ridiculous bits of our childhood and it celebrates them. And it says, these things are still relevant and still cool. Whereas all-star Batman says, you know what? You know what would make Batman cooler? If he cursed a lot and made Robin eat dead rats in the Batcave. So to me, all-star Batman is almost a repudiation. And that's with a P because repudiate is not a word. Anyway, uh, bygones. It's a repudiation of, you know, everything about comic books that people are, quote unquote, embarrassed by. And I feel like All-Star Superman works better for me because it's not embarrassed by even the goofiest bits of Silver Age ephemera. Mm -hmm. It takes it all and it says, look, here's this weird crap that happened and here's why it's awesome. And I like that better. So it's All-Star Superman for me. Well, I think everybody knows uh, without even asking me, it's got to be. Um, All-Star Batman and Robin, Mm -hmm. only because, and I will admit, and I'm going to say this in in a few moments about um, All-Star Superman, love the art, that's what originally drew me to the series, Mm -hmm. hated the storyline, because I was like, Batman doesn't curse like that, he doesn't essentially torture a young boy, this doesn't, Mm -hmm. this is awful. And then there was like a four month or a six month gap Mm -hmm. uh, between issues, and it came back and I mocked it, and then I had a chance to sit down and read it again, I was like, wait a minute. This actually makes sense, and then you do some research and you find out that even though the All-Star series is supposed to be outside the continuity, mm-hmm. Frank Miller insists that the All-Star Batman and Robin is part of his Dark Knight continuity. Right. And again, when you think about somebody who's going through this at the age and the testosterone levels and all of these these things, yeah. suddenly it makes sense why he's acting the way he is, as Rodrigo mentioned a few moments ago, mm-hmm. and it just fits in that world that Frank Miller has created of The Dark Knight. And for that reason, I really, really enjoyed it, especially in, I think it's issue nine, where he's fighting Hal Jordan, and all of a sudden he's like, sick him, Robin, and just sends Robin loose on the unprepared uh, Hal Jordan, and he crushes his windpipe, Mm -hmm. and uh, Batman has to perform a, a quick surgery, and he's like, at the end of that issue is the turning point in that entire series of, of how Batman's treated. And I'm really interested to see if we ever get to see anything past that, because Batman essentially says, what have I done? I can't believe I did this. We're supposed to be doing this. And then I made him fight that man, that wonderful 
strong man mm-hmm. because he's realizing that I have done something on these people that really should be my allies. And you start to see that bit of compassion of Batman come right. through in that last issue. And that's kind of the turning point where I want to see if Batman starts to soften up into the year one, year two kind of Batman that we've seen that's in continuity, mm-hmm. but then also ties into yeah. the uh, into the Dark Knight. So for me, it's it's always uh, Asbar, and I just wish, wish, wish DC would bring that back. I think it's interesting when uh, you know? when All Star Batman and Robin came out, people were like, "Okay, listen up, guys." This is not like All-Star Superman. This is nothing like that. But it is. It is because it's going back to the character, kind of to what, you know, presumably an author, an individual author believes is the core of the character, and then spinning out this not-in-continuity story Mm -hmm. that is actually this huge exaggeration of what the character is in mainstream comics. Both Batman and Superman are a lot more mild as far as in superman's case his powers and his abilities right. and as far as batman his personality right um and it's it's surprising how much you know from a an interpersonal aspect for batman and from a really storytelling you know comic book four color superhero aspect for superman right these books are similar because they're this like this uh, extrapolation of what we see in mainstream continuity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of discussion, a lot of feedback going on over the MajorSpoilers.com website about this, and most of the people are really in favor of the comments wise, really in favor of All Star Superman, and not so much All Star Batman. And yeah. yes, I can understand how it's very off putting. It is very off putting. It isn't a it's really should be an over 12 issue, you know, mm-hmm. age appropriate issue. And um, it's got a lot of stuff that rubbed people the wrong way. And I can totally understand it. And for a while, it rubbed me the wrong way until it just, I think I got hit on the head with that ball peen hammer. And suddenly everything started to make sense in the Frank mm-hmm. Miller kind of way. And it's it's unfortunate that it's not finishing mm-hmm. big, because I think there's, there's supposed to be an arc there. Right. And we didn't even get to the Joker who was supposed to be in issue 10, I believe. Right. And you just, you know, the the series as a whole, I think people would be able to look at and to understand. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Well, this was this is what he's been building up, to. right? So if that never happens, who knows? Matthew, as of our recording time, why, how does the? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Why can't somebody just draw the thing? I mean, Jim's busy, but there are a thousand guys who make a living drawing like Jim Lee. Mm-hmm. True. True. Yeah, you know, I don't understand why they can't complete the book. Yeah, Dan. Didier. Anyway, as of. As of our current recording time, the major spoilers poll of the week is at 294 votes, 65% all-star Superman, 35% supporting the goddamn Batman. And <laughs> I, I, I honestly think that part of that may be that Superman's story is completed. But I also think that, you know, it kind of says something about what the stories are. And, you know, something that Steven said cracks me up. You're like... Well, this is supposed to be an alternate universe, but now they're saying it's like the Dark Knight. Right. It's the, Dark the Dark Knight, Knight is an continuity. Story. That, that, that's what I'm saying. It's in that Dark Knight um, continuity. Okay. But it's not. I just an, want to it's make not it clear a, that the it's Dark not Knight a separate is, continuity. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dark Knight is an Elseworlds tale. Make no mistake. It no, no, does it not and cannot happen in the mainstream DC right. universe. Right. Um, okay. You know, here's no uh, matter what they say about Kingdom Come. <laughs> Um, the problem that I have 
with All-Star Superman is he, well, first of all, when the series came out, it was at the same time that Morrison was doing his run on Batman. And when Morrison first started doing his run on Batman, I hated mm-hmm. everything that he was doing in Batman. I just hated it, despised it to the point where Morrison was on my S list for the longest time. And so I said, well, I better check out this All-Star Superman and see how he's messing that up. And to be quite honest, my first thought in looking at that first cover was, this is all-star pussified Superman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I read that first issue, and I was like, why is he being such a wuss in, in this book? And so I immediately set it down and said, I'm not going to read this series e- anymore, mm-hmm. especially if it's supposed to be an ongoing, and then I guess they changed it um, to a 12-issue arc, or I don't know if it was always supposed to be a 12-issue arc. But then it came out in the Absolute Edition not too long ago, and everybody's just raving about it, saying, oh, you got to read it, you got to read it, it's the best Superman story ever told. And I said, okay, I will sit down and I will read it, and I'll say I have a different perspective of this book mm-hmm. after reading it in one sitting. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the, maybe it was also part of the monthly format also rubbed me the wrong way, because you don't see which direction the story's going right. until about issue four. Especially since it's a lot of one-shot kind of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Matthew, give us a quick rundown of All-Star Superman. All-Star Superman takes place essentially in the Silver Age of the DC Universe. So what you basically need to know is that Superman was rocketed from a dead planet. His real parents are dead, but he was adopted by a lovely couple from the Midwest. He's grown up to be Clark Kent, who is an ill-mannered, no, excuse me, mild-mannered writer for a great metropolitan newspaper. He has a close friend named Jimmy, Jimmy Olsen. He has a love interest named Lois, and he has an evil friend from his youth named Lex Luthor. And he has super, super powers, and wacky things happen. Well, now, if you understand all of things. that... Yeah. Right, if you understand all of that, then... You can step right into All-Star Superman pretty much, with one tiny exception, pretty much unscathed. Which is? And that exception is the art of Frank Quitely. Now, I want to say this clearly. Major faithful spoiler rights, I want you to repeat after me. Quitely. Q-U-I-T-E-L-Y. It's not quietly. Yeah. Quietly is an adverb. Quitely. It is, in fact, a euphemism. It is a fake name. He made it up. Frank Quitely. It's a joke about quite frankly. Now, let's move on. Sorry. Sometimes I have internet-related rage, and my doctor says it's not good for me to hold these things in. But Quitely's art on this book, I'll say it. I had kind of a similar reaction to you in issue one. I wasn't saying what a wuss he is. I was confused about how odd the art looked. Yeah. The art just how bothers me strangely, How strangely off-putting the art is until you get used to it. And I think specifically it was page five of issue one where the girl with the, the girl with kaleidoscope eyes is looking at us and she's got that big Frank, you know, Frank quietly head. And the girl with kaleidoscope. It take. Yes. The girl with colitis because it's, everything's funnier with a painful disease of the rectum. Um, <laughs> I think that that's a that's that a was the hardest Brian, part. Of me. That's a scroll Brian thing. <laughs> I I think that's the hardest part to get used to is quietly Superman is almost kind of an, a synthesis of the Wayne Boring Superman of the fifties with the Joe Schuster Superman of the early forties, and neither of those images 
are particularly modern. So if you look, he has a shorter cape. He has, you know, the George Reeves barrel chest. Right. And if you look at his trunks, his his trunks are like boxer shorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's it's difficult to look at that because I like a streamlined John Byrne Superman. So I'm looking at this and going, this is almost, you know, intentionally Wayne Boring awkward. Mm-hmm. And it takes me an issue or two to get really get into that and say, this is the, the Morrison Quitely Superman. And I think it's, I want to say it's issue four that really goes, oh, I get it now for me. Because I read the original issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason that I did that is because I, I work in a comic shop. And it's cheaper. But um, in issue four, I think I finally got, really got used to it. Is it issue four where Lois is Superwoman, or is that issue three? That's issue three. Okay. The Superwoman issue is what made me understand, what put it in perspective. There's a shot of of uh, Clark and Lois kind of swooping down out of the sky, and Lois is in the foreground with the big yellow shield, and it could be, you know, it could be tawdry because it's it's basically a shot of a woman swooping down on you with her breasts. But it's really cool. And I looked at it and I was like, oh, well, that's really well, you know, well put together and interesting. And for me, that's the moment when it kind of clicked what they were doing. They're doing an old school Wayne Boring, George Reeves kind of Superman story. Well, I, I really saw So once as- you get used to that. I really saw it as they're just I think the thing that bothers me especially about the storyline was it's like well this is just crazy stuff that's happening that you know the future Batman from the year 35,000 million years in the future and and Lois Grant you know Lois gets to be Superman for a day or Superwoman for a mm-hmm. day and it's like well this is just ridiculous silly nonsense that morrison is is pulling out of his hat again until you realize that he's really paying an homage to the silver age where Mm -hmm. lois gets to turn into an african-american person for 24 hours and superman does fly (laughs) through the sun to get uh uh his cape cleaned and jimmy olsen does do all this wacky stuff and get turned into a turtle boy Mm -hmm. then that stuff starts to to kick in and make sense right and then so when you read minor minor point of order Yes, it's a black woman, right? Uh, well, yes, woman. but she also didn't do that until like 1975. Okay, but, but it is still those wacky kind of tales yeah. of that time period. Exactly. And there are specific references to Silver Age stories. The bit with Samson and Atlas right, um, is straight out of it. There's a, I think it's Action 320. It's right before the Legion or in the middle of the Legion where um no it's before the legion they're an adventure at this point never mind where samson atlas and hercules are beating up superman <laughs> mm-hmm. for no reason at all i mean that's that's pure silver age entertainment for me. right and bits bits and pieces like lex luthor lex luthor's prison issue issue five mm-hmm. which is a good issue i like that is yeah it's amazing and i love you know the lengths to which clark goes to try and maintain his secret identity and throughout the issue you're never entirely sure whether or not lex knows Mm -hmm. because i suspect the whole time that lex knows exactly who he's talking to right lex lex is talking to superman and he knows he's talking to superman and for whatever reason he's willing to buy into clark's little fantasy thing you know, for whatever reason, his enemy is wearing a mask and glasses, fine, whatever. 
he's Lex Luthor. He's not even going to bother to point out the deception. He's just going to do his thing. Now, how much of this, since you're the uh, comic historian, Matthew, how much of this is actual story content? I mean, the Samson and Atlas thing you've mentioned. What about mm -hmm. those future Superman, like the Superman from the year 330,000 or whatever, the bandaged Superman and the Superman from the fifth dimension and all of that. How much is that is real and how much of, or not real, but how much of it, of it came from another source and how much of it came from, from Morrison's uh, head? I believe the 853rd century stuff is all about uh, Grant Morrison. He was the one who did the 853, uh, 853rd century crossover back in the 90s, the DC 1 million. Okay. Mm -hmm. Where it was one million, the one millionth issue of any given comic taking place in the you know the year eight hundred and seventy five thousand. Mm -hmm. That's Grant. Okay. But alternate Superman, future Superman, uh, Superman's child, Superman's brother, Superman's monkey wearing a Superman suit. These kind of things are you know not necessarily pure Silver Age concepts, but definitely distilled Silver Age concepts. Okay. Things that come from. And the 12 challenges of Superman, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That, that is referential of the Silver Age. It's not necessarily directly, directly referencing things, but it's, you know, it's referential of that whole well, era. Well, just the that fact whole, that they're, you know, it, it, yeah. just the fact that they're calling it the 12 challenges of Superman just kind of is the 12 feats of Hercules kind right, of thing. Right, right. And that the hero has to right. complete and this journey if he's going to survive. And that gets to the whole point of this series is Superman is dying. Lex Luthor yep. did a trap. So Superman got too close to the sun and overloaded with energy. And now his cells are exploding and he's going to die. Yep. And he has to go through, according to this man on the moon. He has one year to live. Who's this man on the moon character? That's the one that uh, uh, this fantastical with guy. With Yes. It's not Doctor Who. Doctor Quintum. Okay, and now is Dr. he a Silver Leo Age character, Quintum. or is this also another Morrison? I'm not familiar with Quintum as a Silver Age character. I don't he's, think he's, he's a new. Direct reference in the in the back of the in the back of the book, they talk about him being brand new for this series. Okay, um, cool. supposedly, um, from what it says there, Morrison says, "Well, Lex Luthor is a great example. You know, Superman is Superman. Mm -hmm. Lex Luthor is a an example, and has always been kind of the best example of science being bad. Mm -hmm. He wanted a guy to counter that. He wanted the guy to say, this is science." shattering frontiers and uh you know finding secret medicines for things and stuff like right, that and right, that's right. what that character okay. is science exactly yes. it's the pointing up to the sky type of science <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. which is is okay the but again, good heavens miss takamoto you're beautiful science. it adds to that craziness of mm -hmm. of this book and the fact that jimmy olsen becomes him you know gets to be him for 24 hours as part of this series and it's it does play into this bigger role that as the issue goes on and as we see the bigger threats emerge and we see that, you know, Superman is really trying to do these great things. He gets sent essentially to, well, he doesn't essentially get sent, he gets sent to Bizarro World. Um, yep. He escapes from that. And at the end of the issue, this is, this is the thing, because I never read all the way through the 12 issues when they were released. I think I stopped either right before or right at issue five after the prison issue. Um, we never get to see the kind of tragic, sad ending that is actually Superman dying. Mm -hmm. You know, he dies. And that's it. It's a world without a Superman. It, it's a world where we might, thanks to Dr. Q, we might have a clone of Superman in the future. But right now, it ain't going to happen. 
And that's kind of a that's kind of one of those moments where you just kind of settle back, or at least I did after reading this and going, "Huh, interesting." Yep. Rodrigo, some thoughts, please. It's hello. Um, I don't know. I liked it. The uh, when I you know I was I kind of figured it out right away just because of how wacky it was. Um, mm-hmm. that it's just, it's, it's silver age stories with a modern sensibility. It's kind right. of what, what this ends up being. Um, as far as the super Superman actually dying in the end, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't actually, doesn't actually die. There are like <laughs> ways around it and right, stuff. Right. Um, but I think that if at the end they have put, pulled something out where it's like, and Superman doesn't die, it would have been weak. It would have weakened the whole thing. Right, um, right, right. It is kind of it's it's a heroic journey with a um with a silver age superman like cream filling. It is mm-hmm. wacky, it is ridiculous. You know, they they even say just, you know, because there's going to be people approaching the, this from all levels. There's people who are going to be like, hey, I like the new adventures of Lois and Clark. I will pick up All-Star yeah, yeah. Superman. And yeah. people who are like, I have read every Superman story and every Superman fanfic on the internet. I will read this book. Um, so, you know, even the fact that Superman goes into space and you don't know what Superman's full powers are at that point, you know, mm-hmm. from this perspective. They talk about him gaining new powers and getting almost you know, a, a 10 times increase to each of his powers and his intellect and stuff. Right. Like, they explain that. You know, in, in, in the Silver Age, Superman was super smart. Right. But here, they've explained that away. Mm-hmm. You know, he becomes super smart. So if you're coming in saying, well, Superman should just have a normal human intellect, then you don't have to worry. They put you, even if you come at it from 90s mullet Superman, they put you, he, you know, Morrison puts you into a Silver Age mindset mm-hmm. very early on. Mm-hmm. And but just you have kind to be—you kind of have to be prepared for that. You silver have age. to be, and you have to be aware. You have to be aware of the Silver Age. You have mm-hmm. to be aware of all this wackiness. Mm-hmm. I guess that's true. If you are coming from it purely from today, if you've been reading, well, actually, I think probably World of New Krypton is, you know, maybe yeah. slightly closer to this than right. other, than previous Superman storylines. Right. But um, if you if you come to this from the death of Superman, mm-hmm. you know, and and storylines that were around that. Um, or even from ju- the Justice League cartoon, you have to take that. You you are going to have to take that leap into these kind of these goofy things are happening, mm-hmm. and they never explain why. You know why are these two brutish guys from the future running around in a time traveling uh, ragtop? Right. You know. Right. Um. But I don't know. I, I just kind of from the beginning, I was just kind of like, all right, let's go with it. Yeah, and that's uh, basically I resigned myself to say, and I, I think most people know that I've kind of now have mm-hmm. a uh, grudging respect, grudging respect for Grant Morrison. Mm-hmm. I understand what he's doing. I don't always agree with what he's doing, and so when I picked up this one and made the commitment to buy the absolute edition, mm-hmm. I wasn't going to go buy some floppy trade, right? Two separate trades of this. I said I'll go ahead and do this because everyone says, and I'll go into it with an open mind. And I just go into it and just mm-hmm. read it for what it is and know that it is... While you were reading this, that you do a lot of, like, narrowing your eyes and saying, well played, Morrison. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I can say, oh, okay, well, I'll go with that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I remember uh, doing those drugs and seeing that same experience. Yep. Um, but no, I can, I 
you know, sandwich. There, some, there, I'm sorry. We sandwich. say sandwich. <laughs> you know, there's actually the, because the touching major moment. spoilers is an adult podcast for non-adult people. I'll forget. tell you. I'll tell you what I really liked about it. I liked that this was a like twelve issues of Superman. And that's it, and no Batman. Right. He mentioned. He mentions Batman. Twice, and, and I likewise, think, in the whole you know, book. Superman appears in the Batman mm. All Star Batman universe as well, just briefly. Right, and I don't, and I can't remember if the two were intertwined or not. But I, I, <laughs> I, I found it. that interesting. I, I, the issue that I enjoyed most was the issue with the three Superman from different uh, time, time periods, periods, and the Superman mm-hmm. that you think is from Superman One Million is actually time traveling Clark who comes back to. Uh, to spend one moment with his father mm-hmm. uh, when he dies, and he has to go through the whole issue disguised as a Rap- different Superman, bandage Superman. Yeah. And I thought that—I mean—that's very kind of typical Silver Age storytelling, mm-hmm. but it's very touching because it's like yeah. you know I just wanted to be there and and be there when my dad died. It was nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't I know. Liked, I the the whole Bizarro world sequence was. In fact, quite bizarre, yeah. and it was a little too long. It was honestly. it was long. It's like let's get Superman off the planet, and let's get Superman off the planet. And seriously, though, let's get Superman off the planet. Me am Flash. The Bizarro Flash <laughs> was was kind of hilarious. I like the Bizarro Bizarro. The Bizarro Bizarro was actually the smartest person in right. the land of the um, um, yeah. The yeah. the best part about Bizarro Flash is like. You know, he's saying he's so slow that the sound of his voice reaches you before he does. You know, like normal. Yeah. That's actually what happens with people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that was... Zibaro like, was great, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. I, I, I like, like the whole bit where Zibaro was trying to... He was trying to, you know, explain to Superman that they're essentially the same guy on different worlds. And I'm like, right. that was... That, to me, is what, what Morrison does. He'll take that... That Weisinger concept of, oh, here's this stupid alternate reverse Superman. And he's like, but what happens if there was a bizarro bizarro? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the legend has it that Grant Morrison sits in his bathtub and reads comic books and has sandwiches. And this is how he plots his stories. And reading this, you can tell that somewhere in that stack of probably ruined wet comics with sandwich dust on them, <laughs> there's there's a bunch of old, you know, action comics and 50s Superman and stuff that, you know, I, I have show, show up in the store because my boss can't turn down a 10 cent DC, you know, books that were put out with a cover and something weird happened on the cover. And then they wrote a story to make that weird cover make sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's where the sensibilities of this story really lie. And you don't get that anymore. That's what was much was so much fun for me. Was that thought process of how are we going to make this awesome cover into an equally awesome story mm-hmm. almost? Now, the Frank Quitely um, um, art just bothers the hell out of me. It's, it's not, it's Frank, I, I'll tell you what, the, the um, sequence in the prison where um, Parasite. Parasite starts to drain Superman's energy and he breaks out, mm-hmm. that is what Frank Quitely, Quitely, wants to do that is like this all of this with that you know this whole book that has attractive people with soft skin and bright costumes that fit their bodies is not yeah where where quietly's hands want to go and it seems to me that the whole time he's straining against it he wants to draw uglier he wants to draw grittier he wants to draw 
pointier. He wants to draw slimier. Right. Um, and him drawing Superman, I don't know. It's like, it's like, uh, Ray Harryhausen doing normal people, you know, as opposed to skeletons or giant lizards or whatever. It's it, it just looks weird. Yeah. Uh, the the I guess the problem that I have. Well, I don't have a problem with what he did with um, the Batman, Batman and Robin storyline. I actually right. liked his art in that arc. When we did the X Men series right. that he and Grant worked on, didn't care for it. Didn't mm-hmm. care, especially you know the camel toe cover. Right. Um, we get to Superman, and we've got this guy who, when you look at him, especially in some of these side shots, really looks like an imbecile because he's got these really tiny little ears, mm-hmm. big head, I mean, a big thick neck, mm-hmm. and this little weird chin jaw, right. and these little tiny eyes, and yep. definitely when you- It, it really is see, the small you, eyes that, yeah. that make him look kind of dull. Dim. Yeah, and when you see these people or when you've seen these these caricatures in other- works of literature you get to the i want to love him and pet him and bring him home and call him george you get that kind of character and that's that was a problem that i that i had and i know matthew i understand where you're coming from with the costume and everything and the costume was fine but it's the head and the face that just ruined it for me and like you said when you get into the the truly slimy disgusting type stuff that Really, is all bizarro yeah, or, world, or, is. or or you know, yeah, the bizarro world stuff, the stuff where st- things are exploding, um, the the design on vehicles and and weird mm-hmm. creatures like that, L- you know, the the uh, lizard man that start that besieges Metropolis, you know, all that stuff is stuff that I I, I think that Frank quietly is comfortable with. Yes, everything else just seemed like he. Like like he was struggling against how mm-hmm. Superman only has one line that defines his whole head. Right, 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 right. So and not a not a big fan of the art in this. Just I, I'm sorry. I know a lot it of doesn't fit. And, love and his stuff. It just in, is, uh, in the in the sleeve. It's like oh snap, y'all. Yeah. Frank quietly and Grand Morrison are at it again. This Glaswegian duo is you know and like <laughs> you know maybe they work really well together and we got a great book because of how well they work and you know right. this book is done. Jim Lee didn't get his book done on yeah. time. Maybe it is because they're a great combo. But honestly. I would have. I think it, if All Star Superman had been drawn by um, what's that? Was the first the the guy Adam who draws Hughes? Umbrella Academy? Oh yeah, yeah. Ba. Uh, yeah, I, 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 Gabriel, Gabriel Ba. Yeah. Right. Like I, that maybe would have been better. Mm-hmm. You know, a a and something that looks, you know, and and maybe that would have made the book sell a little less, or or maybe would have confused people if it was. You know, what if it looked like Superman from the Super Friends? Mm-hmm. You know, like if it had a more uh, anim- like animation aesthetic than necessarily a comic book aesthetic, maybe it would have been stronger. Now, um, I've got the Absolute Edition, but I was such in a rush to get the book done and into Rodrigo's hands that I didn't have a chance to go back and read all the notes and, and all the back The notes are pretty stuff. great. And are they good? Tell us what's in this Absolute Edition that makes it... Um, first off, in case you missed it, it actually goes through and delineates the 12 labors of Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, 
some of which I, I actually kind of missed during the thing. I'm like, well, I assume that. But, you know, even his very first thing is, you know, saving the first man mission to the sun is one of his great deeds. Right. Which, if you think about it, is like, well, Superman has, like, taken volcanoes and stuffed them into other volcanoes. So, <laughs> eh, all right, sure. Um, I guess within the context of this story, that's what this is. Um, there's art. There's sketches. There's... Um, Jimmy Olsen and drag. Yeah. They, there's, you know... Uh, Morrison, I think, talks about each of the ki- like uh, a lot of the major characters, mm-hmm. along with quietly sketches, mm-hmm. um, and says, "Hey, you know, you know how Jimmy Olsen is in Dragon? Part of it that is a reference to this book that I thought was hilarious. Right. You know, like the whole Jimmy Olsen and Drag is kind of what gave him the idea for Jimmy Olsen's column. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a day in the life kind of thing, which then becomes the the uh, yeah, the keep- center of a whole storyline. Yeah." yeah. And actually keeps cropping up, just sort of Jimmy Olsen being in the middle of this weird, um, like, uh, transference article Mm -hmm. and getting himself into trouble because of it. Yeah. Now, one thing I will say is I really do like Quietly's... um, um, Studies? His studies on Superman transforming himself into Clark Kent Mm -hmm. and how if he changes his body just a little bit... Changes his posture, tur- turns down his chin instead of jutting right. it out, combs his hair a different way. He does look totally different. And what's interesting about that, and I don't know if it's talked about in here or not in in the discussion, uh, but I do know, and I have uh, heard radio programs where they've interviewed people about how you can disguise yourself very quickly. Sometimes it is a matter of just slouching your shoulders mm-hmm. and you know turning your head a different way or you know combing your hair a different way that can totally throw off people at a casual glance Mm -hmm. you know and that's why maybe there is some merit to i take off my glasses and now i'm a different person and you don't recognize me i think obviously with superman especially being such a high profile right 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 superman being the biggest celebrity in the world in the dc (laughs) universe it would be a little difficult but uh, again it's it's that silver age stuff there are parts in the story and, and i read it as um you know the whole thing with Lex Luthor actually looking at super at Clark Kent without his glasses. Right. He takes off his glasses in front of Lex Luthor, cleans them, and puts them back on. And Luthor, you know, uh, you know, from Matthew's reading, catches it but doesn't care. In my reading, is too arrogant to even fathom the fact that yeah, Clark true. Kent is Superman. Um, and that's just another little nugget of silver age wackiness it's just yeah. like superman has super thespian powers <laughs> and thus cannot be found out if he slouches a little bit and pretends he has a double chin <laughs> anything else matthew you want to add on to this um i really love morrison's superman in that he's he's not an incredibly boring big blue boy scout but he has the elements of that, and he has you know enough to go. Yes, this is re- recognizably Superman. But the bit where Samson and Atlas finally tick him off, you know, he manages to save the day without having to punch people, and then they're like, "Oh, you should be wrestling for it." And he's like, "You'd like to arm wrestle? All right." And then he ends up breaking Samson's arm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Accidentally, you know, in that whole conversation where they're trying, you know, they're trying to prove they're stronger and they're you know better, and he's. He's not immune to human emotion. He's obviously in love with Lois. He's obviously very fond of Jimmy. He's, you know, he's got the depth of feeling 
the bit where he goes back to see his dad one last time is pretty heartbreaking. Mm-hmm, you know, it's yeah. an approachable Superman who's also got those godlike aspects, especially in the end when we see him like standing in the heart of the sun trying to keep it aflame and save the world one last time. Even if you look at that, and that probably is one of the strongest drawings that Quitely does in the whole series. Oh, yeah, definitely. Let me ask that you shot of, of him standing in the sun. Sure. Let me ask you a couple of quick questions. So, Matthew, you think no. Luthor knows that it's Clark Kent? I think Luthor knows, doesn't understand, and doesn't care. Okay. What about uh, Jimmy Olsen? There's the part at the end where Superman's about to sacrifice himself into the sun to reignite it uh, the right way, where Clark stands up and shoots um, Luthor with a gravity gun, and Jimmy's like, oh, it's you, Superman. That's a great disguise. I suppose you're keeping Clark Kent at the fortress safe and sound at the mm-hmm. Fortress of Solitude, right? That's right, Jimmy. Clark's safe. Leave Luthor to me. You think Jimmy is naive enough to believe that, or is he just trying to cover for his pal Superman. I think that, yeah, you could read it either way. I mean, Morrison's Jimmy is really cool. And he's like the the kid that you want to grow up to be because, which is amazing. Like just the fact that he actually makes Jimmy Olsen cool is, is just incredible because Jimmy Olsen is very like, usually just a damsel in distress. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Continue your thought, Matthew. I I just thought I'd interject that. (laughs) That's okay. Yeah, and that, I mean, that is a very valid point. Jimmy Olsen doesn't necessarily exist to be his own entertaining character. But in this book, it works, and I think that it works either way. I hadn't really thought about it, but I think it works to the point where Jimmy doesn't know, mm-hmm. but maybe, you know, maybe he does suspects. It. I know for a fact that, that in my mind, Lex knows and does not care. What about Lois? He doesn't understand it. He can't fathom it. It's not meaningful to him. So, no. I think Lois, well, Lois's explanation when he tries to tell her that he's Clark and she won't believe him because she can't fathom Clark being in that situation. Mm-hmm. The whole if it, the whole Superwoman issue, she's teasing him about the lie of him being Clark Kent. Mm-hmm. I think that Lois doesn't know at the beginning, but I think Lois comes to recognize, you know, what Clark Kent actually represents for Superman as the book goes on. And at the end, you know, I'm left wondering how they're going to explain Clark's absence now that Superman is dead, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that Lois knows at first. And I think that when he tells her, she doesn't believe it, but eventually she comes around to realizing what's going on. Okay. Um, there is a movie, uh, the tenth in the DC animated uh, direct-to-DVD movies. Mm-hmm. We've reviewed most of them here on the site. If you follow the Twitter, I've done a few reviews of those uh, directly on Twitter. But the next one that's due out February twenty-second, I believe, is uh, is All Star Superman the animated movie. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting about this, and I don't know if you guys have seen, I think we've had the trailer up on the site somewhere before. Um, they're not using the quietly style. That's good. Is that is that a good thing? That is a good thing for two reasons. One, uh, as we, I think all three of us had kind of this moment <laughs> at least once in the book, probably several times um, from Quietly's art. And the other thing is, I think they learned from, and I forget what the artist actually was, but from Batman, Superman, Public Enemies, that mm-hmm. having a a very 
faithful um, adaptation of comic art oh, you're doesn't about the always McGinnis, yes, the McGinnis art yeah. doesn't always work because sure the mega super ultra buff characters look great in a comic with that hyper uh, gradient colorization that they use but in 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 a in an animated show where they actually have to move and muscles should respond to each other right. moving expanding and contracting it means that either the characters look like they're wearing fake abs mm-hmm. or that the, you know that they're not actually moving okay so are you interested in seeing this then oh i am very much interested in seeing this i'm you know you know me i'm big on adaptations and mm-hmm. i think that um this specifically because of its because it is literally Number one, Superman does this. Number two, Superman right. does this. It, it has a very linear progression, and it can definitely, definitely make for a good movie. Matthew, you interested in seeing this? Not overly. I, I don't think that they're going to be able to put what this series is into a cartoon. I think what it's going to end up being is an adaptation based on what people know about Superman, and I think it's going to be weaker for that. Also, I'm I'm not all that impressed a lot of times with, you know, adaptations of comics. I don't necessarily think that a comic is made more successful or better by being adapted because many times the adaptations miss the important bits. Mm-hmm. If it's done well and if it really, you know, if it really captures the essence of this book, sure, I'll watch it. But I don't think I'm going to seek it out. Okay. We're watching the trailer right now off the Major Spoilers website. Just do a search for All-Star and Movie and you'll see the trailer. Um Final thoughts, Matthew, on this on this on this book. It's weird. In the same way that All Star Batman is weird, only different. Rodrigo said it best. It's it's an amplified version of what we know about Superman the character. It's an amplification of what people would say. If you said to someone who doesn't read comics, tell me about Superman. Well, he's a strong guy, and Jimmy Olsen's his best friend, and he loves Lois Lane, and he fights Lex Luthor, and he's super strong and super powerful, and, you know, this is like, this is taking what my seven-year-old would say Superman is, and making it into a really layered, grown-up story that works for, you know, the comics fan who's like, I've read everything, so me. And the mm-hmm. comics fan who's like, I hate Superman, so Rodrigo. And the comics <laughs> fan who's like, Superman should be more like Batman. It shouldn't fly. And that, he shouldn't fly. That, that's you. <laughs> so if you know, if we take all three of those aspects, the maiden mother and crone, if you will, of comic books, this has something for all of those audiences. And I think that it's rare for a book to really to boil a character down to its essence so well. So mm-hmm. I would say definitely read it. I own it. I think you should own it. But definitely read it, especially if you're a Superman fan. Rodrigo. It it accomplishes something that you just do not see in in fiction very much nowadays. Um I've talked about how I like the Thousand and One Nights. Mm-hmm. Um and it's it's and it, the same thing goes for the Jungle Book, actually. I've recently gotten into reading the Jungle Book again and it's the actual this, Kipling yeah, Rudyard okay. Kipling's All right. You know, uh, original book um, or collection of stories, really. Right. Um, 
and it's 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 that kind of storytelling it's storytelling where it's not like well here's all the scientific reasoning about it which is what we've mm-hmm. gotten into right it's kind of like and then superman did this and he was so strong that strong things happened around him <laughs> yeah. and thus everybody learned that friendship is the way to go right the end but not the end dear reader because now this is going to happen mm-hmm. um but it does it with a very modern sensibility. It never crosses over into "you're an idiot" and I'm telling you a bedtime story. Right? Like it always keeps it. Bears. Yeah, it always <laughs> keeps it at a sort of at a polite level of treating you like a child. It's you know, he is saying, "Hello, dear friend. Would you like a chocolate bar?" Yes, I would. As a child, I've always enjoyed eating chocolate bars, as opposed to him picking you up and going <laughs> and throwing you up into the ceiling, which would frighten the crap out of me. Um, so that that's my analogy for what All Star Superman uh, accomplishes. I would definitely recommend it. I was really into it, and honestly, the art has its creepy moments, but even then, it's completely passable, in yeah. my opinion. I mean, yeah. there is nothing. It's it's actually right down beautiful when there aren't people on on yeah. on panel. The art, the art you can live with after a while, mm-hmm. as Matthew said. Um, it's fine. It works in this series. I'm glad it's a 12-issue series and not something that was going to be an ongoing. And as far as the writing, well played, Grant Morrison. Well played, well played. Morrison. Uh, it is. It's really, it really I expected to in this. I expected to get to the end of this book and go, well, it's just like Final Crisis, mm-hmm. you know, or just like Death of Batman. You know, I expected just poop. Right. And it was actually quite good. Um, you know, I still think that the book is probably going to rub some people the wrong way, so I, I can't say that it's a book for everyone. Um, but I will say that it is a book that is an enjoyable read, and I would encourage you to probably seek it out and and read it. I think it's a good read. I think it's a good story, but it's not a in-continuity Superman story, so don't mm-hmm. go into it like that. Um, but it's good. So there you go. Oh, wait, we're supposed to close the show, I think. Oh, yep. Oh, all right. right. Let's close the show. Actually, I have a good idea. Some... For the last 30 seconds, let's all talk like each other. Um, let's see what uh, <laughs> Black Thunder said. Let, let's get Rodrigo, let me ask you a question. Let me interrupt what Matthew was saying to ask you a question. Um, all right. Some people are saying that this is Morrison's finest work. These were some of the comments that people have made. Um this is Kirby who says, for my money, this is the best Grant Morrison and Fright Quietly have to offer. Uh, to keep myself brief, the story contains two absolutely perfect Superman moments. Um, and then All-Star Superman, he goes on, is one of the few out-and-out superhero hero titles I will give to my non-comic reading friends to enjoy every time. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a tall order, I think, uh, in that. Uh, yeah, and it really depends where your non-superhero reading friends are coming from. If they're, mm-hmm. if they're skeptics... All-Star Superman is not the place to start them. They're like, why would I want to read about a guy who is so powerful that nothing bad ever happens to him? Like, even though it starts out with him essentially being... Exactly. Listen, Crypto, this book has his merits. (laughs) Uh, Hermit says, ah, yes, All-Star Superman, the only Superman story I truly love. I usually hate Superman um, easily in my top three. Even those who usually hate superheroes like this book, my only problem... There are so many Superman titles, and Morrison alienated so many readers with his past work that some people would not read this book, and they're missing out on something great. Hmm. So, a lot of comments. Head over to MajorSpoilers.com uh, for more. I agree with Kirby up to a point, and I think that 
Kirby's point is valid so long as you take into account the fact that a non-comic reader friend might have an expectation of how comics read. Yeah. A quote-unquote comic book story, which anymore you don't get from comic books. You get from movies or, you know, television shows that are influenced by comics. So I think that this is a book that reads like comics. It reads like what people refer to as a comic book story, Mm -hmm. but it's also fabulous. Excellent. Thank you for that comment, Stephen, Matthew. Stop that making faces in my I was screen. looking at something that I will talk to you about after the show, but thank you so much, listeners, for joining us for this issue of the Major Spoilers podcast, and thank you for doing everything that you do to be part of the Major Spoilers experience. Next week, we're going to take a look at The Dark Tower, The Gunslinger Born. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we'll talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash Majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page would be backwards I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus as soon as the comic book store guy knew They kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm star raving rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine bee In the Middle East With a king sign throwing soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler Major Spoilers Podcast Copyright 2010